As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talking Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We are recording on Sunday night and what a treat we have for your ears because we have a full house on the podcast of Carl Anker, Laurie Whitwell, Andy Mitten. We're going to react to Manchester United's win at beautiful Bournemouth, as I'm now informed that Andy Mitten is only referring to it as. It's amazing what a bit of sunshine can do. We'll also react to United's historic Manchester Derby win in the WSL, which takes the title down to the final day. We'll preview Chelsea. There's more of your emails. And Laurie's done another run, which I fear we'll have to talk about again, because every time he <laughs> dons a pair of trainers, we have to talk about it for some reason. But good evening, Carl Anker. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good evening, Laurie Whitwell. How's the cramp? It's all right this time. Yeah. Uh, as I was saying, you know, before we started recording, this time the Domino's pizza the night before. Yeah, I'm not ashamed. This one has got more relevance uh, because obviously I went past the the Etihad today, and uh, no coincidence that was my fastest K getting away from that place, uh, biggest crowd of the season, I think there <laughs> with the runners going past it, uh, and then also Old Trafford. So it does have a football theme. It's a great match to run. But yeah, thanks to Domino's the night before for making me run quicker. Thanks to Domino's. What are you after a free pizza? Yeah, any chance? What was your Domino's order? Oh, it was a pepperoni passion, large every time, Carl. No, no deviation from that. Okay. Why? What are you thinking? No, no, similar, just pepperoni passion. Yeah. Bishwakosh. I'm only ready for a snooze after any sort of pizza, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> Andy Mitten, good evening to you as well. Um, we have to thank you as well because you were responsible for the first social pint we've worked out that the four of us have ever had together by inviting us to your little event on Friday night. So thank you for that. Good to see you all, boys. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very nice indeed. We were at a private white United We Stand collaboration event to launch the new black t-shirt, which has gone down very well indeed. And there was a picture that quite a few of you commented on to varying degrees of success um, that the Manchester artist Stan Chow put up on his Twitter. Uh, Stan's a massive Manchester United fan. He does the covers of United We Stand. He works for the club as well. Uh, but you probably notice his pictures absolutely everywhere. Now you go for a wee in some random place and it's like, oh, there's another Stan Chow. So it's a picture of us four with Stan, to which he captioned it, named the band, and my God, Laurie, we had some incredible replies, didn't we? 
Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. So yeah, we've got we've gone through them. I don't know if you're going to give us like your top ten. Or I don't know how many we want to go through. No, I don't think we need to do that. Yeah, just say your favourite. Don't, don't need to go through all, as good all, as all of you. Okay. Uh, well, well, I I liked top four and the trophy. It's obviously someone that's listened to it. Okay, I know it's not a pun on a band as such, but there was four of us and the trophy. I presume was Stan Chow, which it was a trophy for me because I'd never met him before. But um, my dad's got all his work on in his office walls, and I, I really. You know, kind of big, big fan of his, and actually, he he knows my sister. He's he's married to um, a girl that my sister lived with in Fallowfield. So he was he was coming over and had a lovely chat. Yeah. Oh wow. So that was that was great. So so he is the trophy. Was it a pun on the four tops as well? Maybe maybe I think, I'm yeah, okay. Maybe going into that a bit too much, oh, okay, but potentially no, yeah, just flipping maybe that around that. a little yeah, bit. Okay. Credit to Paul Harris as well. Atomic Mitten. You having that, Andy? Yeah, I like that. A bit scouse, but I'm having it. <laughs> Which one of us carried Katona then, do you reckon? Laurie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw her this, this, uh, this like, a few weeks ago at Wilmslow BP. Garage filling up. She had a green Lamborghini. Did I put it in the group and say, "Guess who drives this?" Uh, no. Uh, anyway, no. she uh... amazing, amazing. <laughs> well, she, it was, she was kind of wearing like these kind of pajamas, like as she was filling up, and I was like, "Who, who is that?" And like sort of thinking, and then I was like, "It's, it's Kerry Katona." Uh, anyway, so there we go. Did not expect an update on Kerry Katona's <laughs> latest fashion on this podcast, but there you go. We've had it. Uh, Carl, which one stood out to you? Any of them? Oh, I quite liked. Uh, Andy Mitten's high flying Yonas. <laughs> bit mouthy, but uh, <laughs> that one got me. Yeah, I also good. quite enjoyed. Also quite enjoyed Low Block Party. Yeah, Block Party was uh, the band that inspired me to start playing guitar when I was a teenager. Yeah, very good. Well, go and have a look at that. Um, if you've got no idea what we're talking about, there's a link on. I think my Twitter and maybe uh, Laurie's Twitter as well. And um, there was varying sort of references to One Direction. If there's any children listening at this point, we don't normally do this on the podcast, but we think this is worthy of mention. Just turn the audio down, maybe just for ten seconds or so, because David Horn, congratulations, you are my favourite. With forget One Direction or Wrong Direction or No Direction, as people were calling us, but One Erection. <laughs> which was a tremendous effort uh, and David can you please let us know as well who you think is capable because uh, the four of us are wondering uh, but brilliant thank you so much for everyone for getting involved with that Right, you can turn the sound back up. Not that you'd be able to hear me if you turn the sound down, but I'm just marking that the, it's the end of the X-rated section. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Bournemouth. Andy, you're sharing pictures of sunny beaches. Manchester United were winning the one point off the Champions League. So you've made your peace with the South Coast after all. He survived. I survived. I didn't get chased by the Bournemouth Ultras. Uh, it was a successful trip down there. The weather was fantastic. It's a long way. I drove, and if I sound a bit tired, it's because I just drove back from... From there, but the weather was good. I knew that there was going to be a problem near Oxford with the traffic. Unfortunately, some of the the coaches didn't know that, and some of them arrived during the match. It took a long, long time to get there. Uh, I think we said one nil, didn't we, in the last podcast? Manchester United tend to win one nil. Yep. 
against teams away from home who are who are lower in the table. I thought Casemiro was good. I spoke to him after the game. It was a, a top goal. And Manchester United were going into the Champions League until the final minute of the Liverpool-Aston Villa game. But it was a must win. United did win it. And I think that United are all but there now. Um, if the team do not pick up a point from those last two home games and they don't deserve to be in the Champions League. Very vocal away fans. Um, Bournemouth looks look splendid. I stayed down there, saw the sunset over Pool Harbour last night. Um, bumped into Graham Soonis, of all people. He lives down there. And uh, it was pretty complimentary about Manchester United. He said, the perception that people have about me with Manchester United is absolutely wrong. And then this morning... I mean, I've not been paid off by Bournemouth's tourist authority, but it was absolutely beautiful. The the white sands of the beaches, the classic beach huts, the fine ice cream, the invigorating sea air. Is that all right? Yeah. Sweet. No, I'm just telling the fella from uh, the agency. If you listened very closely to that sentence, Andy, you could just about hear the beep of an articulated lorry reversing. So it's good to know that they've won your round. Yep. Yeah, it was um, it was decent. Stayed in a part of the town which was Stag and Hendu Central, so it was uh, pretty lively. And um, but it was good. I thought Victor Lindelof played well. I asked Eric Ten Hag about him after the game, but Casemiro was the main man. And maybe Bournemouth were a little bit on the beach because they were safe. I know Carl's been very praiseworthy of Gary O'Neill, the manager, with good reason. Uh, as a club, Bournemouth were really friendly. I take back absolutely everything I've said about them. The stewards were friendly. I saw United we stand outside the away end. Yeah, it was good. I'm never going to say a bad thing about Bournemouth again. And if they want to downsize our stadium to a 2,000 all-seater, <laughs> I'm completely relaxed about that now, Bournemouth. Outrageous, this. I don't know what to say, Carl, do you? I'm, I'm speechless here. <laughs> is, 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 he st- I mean, still the- is he still in Bournemouth? Is he still being held hostage and like he's got to say these things? You know what I can hear? I'm in the centre of Manchester, and I'm not joking, I can hear... Football fans singing our Alanga song, Manchester United's Alanga song, and the City fans. I don't know why City fans are out in Manchester tonight, <laughs> but I swear I can hear City fans singing something to the tune of the Alanga song, which Manchester United started. Yeah. So there you go. I'm not in Bournemouth. It was another long, long drive back, but I went to the the women's game at Lee tonight. So maybe we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm, I'm sure. But a good a good weekend for Manchester United. You know. Um, for the women, for, for for the men. And I've had a couple of doubts whether United would finish in the top four, if I'm honest. Since that defeat at Newcastle, I felt the team was was tiring and would just about limp over the line. I was worried because Liverpool kept on winning. But last week, I think, when United won, when Leeds took points off Newcastle, that Bournemouth was a must-win and, and United got the win. So we said all season... Uh, top four and, and a trophy would be a success and now it's looking like top four and two trophies away we go boys yeah we'll see about that one definitely um david de has now won the golden glove for the most clean sheets in the premier league this season and united needed him didn't they against bournemouth especially with that save late on from Kiefer moore but carl the, the theme really of the post-match from eric ten Hag and watching it as a united fan as well was the fact that they still can't kill these bloody games off yeah yeah. Why, why is it? I mean, this seems to be getting even worse at it somehow. <laughs> I mean, if, if you just look at that front three, you've got Anthony Martial, who doesn't look right physically. I mean, he's been injured for most of the season, but ever since that Manchester derby in January, he's not. 
looked like he's capable of a top sprint. Well, no, the most intense movement he made all day was when he stormed down the tunnel after getting subbed <laughs> off, I think, to be honest. Yeah, so you've got him. You've got Valt Veghorst, and the quickest I've ever seen Valt Veghorst was after the penalty shootout <laughs> at the FA Cup when he knee ran slides. towards the United fans, <laughs> the knee slides. You've got Anthony, who can be pretty quick, but wants to cut inside and use his left foot. You've also got Jalen Sancho, who has never been explosively quick and is also tepid. You know, not the most enthusiastic about getting into physical duels. So you've got a rank three front four that is not so aggressive on the ball, not so quick on the ball. Uh, what, and while Garnacho coming back improves things, at any point in time, you've only really got one person in United's front four other than Bruno Fernandes who looks authoritative when he has the ball at his feet. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a go. And I think that that will always be a risk, and and will need to be reworked. In the summer, if Amadis kept on over preseason, that could help. And then you need one more to go with Rashid. Do you mean one more, Carl, in terms of another winger, or, or I mean, because obviously centre forwards the one, right? I mean, because you've got Val Vegos can't. He's not a Manchester United player, is he? He's a very you know specific uh, loan signing in an emergency situation. Um, Anthony Marshall, I thought he played okay, to be honest. Um, certainly better than he has done, um, you know, linking up play, kind of getting into nice positions, which is probably why he was a bit miffed to be taken off. Um, but nonetheless, as you say, Carl, I don't, you know, fitness-wise, it seems to be a thing that Ten Hag is just going to go, right, 60 minutes, you're coming off, like I'm not risking you yep. staying on any longer, you know, I, 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 clearly that would, you know, he's going to start him in the in the FA Cup final, you'd think. Um, and I did actually think that could be the back four, back, back five, obviously, for the FA Cup final as well. Might, might even just That might be the team against Man City, really, um, depending on, obviously, with Rashford coming back in. Yeah, I can see that. I'd, I'd, I'd probably swap Ericsson for Fred. Oh. Risk that. So I'd probably try and see if I can get good Fred instead of bad Fred. Because I think... For the energy against their midfield. The energy against their midfield. There was a yeah, moment in the, in the... I think it was... Christian Ericsson gave away a free kick. And I remember... I watched, you know, the, the extended highlights. And, you know, it's Ericsson going in for a 50-50 before the hour mark. And I went, oh, he's won the ball off someone. And I was so shocked by it. that when it went in for a free kick, I was like, oh... Of course, I'm never allowed to have anything too good. Uh, so, yeah, I think you'd have Fred there and, and Rashford. And, and that, yeah, repeat as much as possible from the League Cup starting 11, my advice. A couple of other observations from Bournemouth. Luke Shaw getting a bit of heat because of his Southampton connections. Is that a thing, is it? <laughs> he didn't look in the slightest bit bothered and he just kept winding the home fans <laughs> up by... Excuse me, boy, didn't you play for our rivals, you scallywag? <laughs> I think they were calling him uh, Scummer, something like that. Oh, fair. Sc- scummers, yeah, classic. And then when Garnacho came on, they were giving Garnacho grief for his haircut and once again, like this was like the, op- the opposite of... Um, an intimidating football ground. It was just so genteel and and twee, and um, just glad that Manchester United saw it out to get to get those three points. I think the the forwards they were at sixes and sevens. I I agree with the point that Laurie made that Mar- Martial was doing all right, um, but we we all know that if Manchester United are going to improve and and properly challenge for a title. That forward line needs to be much stronger. And and Val Vegost, I don't think he's a Manchester United quality uh, player. But I, again, I thought he worked really hard when he came on. He he got back at one point to stop a, a Bournemouth attack. He set Scott McTominay up. So I can't fault his work rate at all. But he he, he is a loan signing and, and an emergency one as that. Val Vegost has got two more games left as a United player in the Premier uh, League. In the Premier League, 
how do you think the Old Trafford crowd will uh, say goodbye to him? They'll applaud him. I mean, he'll do he'll do a lap easy. He'll he'll do you know, a couple of laps, I reckon. Um, he'll give his shirt away. You know, he'll, he'll lap it up, which is fair enough. You know, he's 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 at a club far beyond where he ever probably thought he would be. So he's he's, he's milked this absolutely. You know, fair play to him. He's he's done a job of sorts, hasn't he? Um, I, I think yeah, fans. United fans are pretty cool about most players, even ones that I think have had a bit of turbulence in their careers. They've they've given them um, sort of warm receptions on their return. Um, I think yeah, just Jesse Lingard, for example, um, he he's had you know applause from United fans when he's come back. So yeah, I think I think that Ghost will be you know um, pleasantly. I, th- I think if he's at United at the start of next season, then there might be a bit of agitation in the stands <laughs> we'll see about that one won't we definitely yeah. right if you want more reaction to United's one at Bournemouth Dan Sheldon's piece is up on the Athletic from the Vitality Stadium you can go and have a look at that we will be talking about the WSL win for United after a break in a moment but as we discussed the women had to wait didn't they until the evening to play at the Lee Sports Village because of the great Manchester run and I was taking the mick out of our lorry earlier for his little sort of soiree past the Etihad near Old Trafford around the city centre but mate you smashed it. What was your time? Oh, are you, are you coming back to it now? I thought we'd done the run bit. Okay, this is nice. No, no, we've got we've got your um, okay. conversation to play out as well. Oh, great! One lovely. of our listeners. Okay, well, okay, yeah, the time one one hour thirty seven fifty six, just dipping below the one hour thirty eight. Not bad for a ten k, that mate. Congratulations! <laughs> That's so quick. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, I'm doing. Listen, I'm doing the Great North Run in September, and there's work colleagues on this one. So I've got to beat work colleagues. I'm going to get really competitive with it. But I've been messaging uh, Laura Williamson, who's, who's one of our editors. Uh, she's running it in September. And she's telling me it's a hilly course because the Manchester one's quite flat. So you can kind of, you know, it, it doesn't take out too much on the old hills. Although I've got a really good technique for running downhill. I just let my legs flop and they're quite long. So you just, just sort of like, you know, just let gravity do its its business, basically. Laura, if there's any man I know who may know whether a 10k half marathon marathon <laughs> course is hilly or flat do, do you know anyone for it because i well, definitely do someone who knows all about elevation and structural uh yeah groundwork yeah andy any detail like this oh yeah what's the I'm, fastest I'm like... ever half marathon time <laughs> don't know the fastest ever but i i am interested in, I, I know that like there's such a thing as a, as a fast marathon course and i am into the geography of um of cities, and I reckon if you had a Sheffield Marathon, for example, it would be quite a slow one because it's a very, yeah, a very, yeah. a very um, hilly city. And I've not gone above ten k races, but you, you're getting some good times in there, Laurie. Well done. I'm just blown away by how quick it was on Friday. I was having a talk. I was like, "Has he done much training?" He's like, "No, he's just he's just good at running. It's so annoying." That pizza. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I am going to do some training for the Great North Run. I did do a couple of big runs because, like I said, I crashed, okay. you know, at 12k for the Wilmslow one, and I didn't want to have that happen again. So I did do, a, you know, a couple of 14k's just to kind of make sure I could get past that point. But I felt good. And do you know what it is actually? And this is like really sincere now. I'm, I'm not going to be silly, but the crowds are brilliant. Like when you get people that are like there with the the the, the signs, you got like kids holding a kind of you know uh, sort of cardboard sign saying you know punch this and you'll go faster you know that kind of stuff um i just i don't know i really go for that kind of thing so it was it was great energy around manchester and it was beautiful to see like the sun was shining people were loving life uh it was fantastic yeah absolutely brilliant and it also helps 
when you bump into a friend <laughs> part of the way around. This is Laurie's chat earlier on the finish line. Right, so I've just finished the half marathon and midway, well, midway for eight miles in maybe, yeah, this, seven, seven, seven miles yeah. in, this guy comes past me, takes his headphones out and says, go on, Laurie. And I mean, I've obviously got my name on my, uh, my, my front, but he was coming from behind, so I was like, hey, up. And then I've just seen him at the finish. How you doing? What, so what's your name? Dan Jarrett. So guess what? Dan was listening to the podcast on his way around and he's done a PB. He has done, he has done a PB. The talk of the devils has spurred him to a PB. It spurred me on anyway. Uh, so go on, Dan. What do you think of the race and oh, what do you think of United? It was brilliant. Oh, it was great. Hey, I wish I saw you at Old Trafford though. That would have been even funnier, wouldn't it? No, it was mint. It was great. Uh, got a season ticket, so loving that. And uh, yeah. The reds. Nice one, Dad. And you coming to the uh, Centenary Hall show? Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. Going to get some tickets for it in September. I can't wait for it. Looking forward to it. And what did you make of the match yesterday? You managed to watch it? Uh, yeah, watched it, um, streamed it. But um, yeah, we were pretty decent. I should have got two or three, though, shouldn't we? Yeah. Casemiro's goal, unbelievable. Uh, so yeah. And how, how are you feeling about the final? Um, yeah, I got tickets. Looking forward to it. Um, nervous. Do you know what? It was here last year, last time I was running this race. And City were winning the league in the afternoon. Well, I'm going home. This time I've got an hotel box, so I'm going to have to stay and get some beers in. So. <laughs> well, hopefully it's a great day. Uh, wicked to meet you, Dan. Nice one. Thanks for listening. Brilliant. It seems like Talk of the Devils listeners get everywhere these days, don't they? And Dan, congratulations and thank you for coming along to our live show in Manchester as well. Don't forget those new live show dates, which we launched last week. We're at New Century in Manchester on Monday, the 4th of September, and then in Leicester Square Theatre in London the following night on Tuesday, September the 5th. To book tickets and for more information, head to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils Live. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So we've reacted then to Manchester United's men winning 1-0 against Bournemouth and needing just a point to secure a place in next season's Champions League. And I'm delighted to say that Manchester United's women 
have already achieved that courtesy of their first ever Manchester Derby win in the WSL in front of a record crowd at the Lee Sports Village earlier, including Andy Mitten. Andy, what a win and what a way to do it, by the way. Yeah, it was a wonderful night. We've spoke about how good the weather's been. Just walking up to the ground, there was a buzz in the air. The car parks were overflowing. A record crowd at Lee Sports Village for Manchester United. I didn't get the attendance tonight. I know by Friday, 10,400 tickets had been sold. And Manchester United went ahead after two minutes with an absolutely um, belting goal. City went down to 10. The goalkeeper was sent off just before half-time. So I think you've got to credit the way that City battled back into it and got an equaliser. However, Manchester United got a late, late winner, Lucia Garcia. I could talk about the goal, but I didn't see it because I left the ground two minutes before the end so that I could do this podcast. So there you Andy, go. Honestly. Are you joking? I took my family and my youngest was was getting tired as well and I needed to to drop her off and come back and do this podcast. I also um, started talking to this lady in the second half and I wasn't sure whether she was a footballer or not. She had sunglasses on and she had a cap on, so I didn't recognise her. And I was asking her where she was from and she said she grew up in the northeast and talking about Berwick and the Northeast coastline and the sorts of nonsense that I talk to people about. She said, but I live in Barcelona now. And then the penny dropped and it was Lucy Bronze. And she's like one of the most famous oh, women mate. footballers. <laughs> she was absolutely sound. And she was just telling me about, about the different players. She said that Manchester United had been very unlucky in the cup final last week. I know Carl was at that and had actually played better than, than, than Chelsea. But to beat City in that derby game... Another milestone for Manchester United. The fans behind the goal, a pretty packed terrace, were singing about going on a European tour. There were quite a lot of City fans there as well, but the vast majority were United fans with the the red and white flags. And I took my daughters and they absolutely loved it. And I think that the, the future of the women's game is looking really, really bright at the moment. And I spoke to quite a few people who were at quite a senior level on the administration side of it. And we spoke about the, the issues, you know, admission prices, average attendances, not just highlighting those big games played in a club's main stadium, clubs being sold as part of, you know, what value would Manchester United's women's team have in the probable forthcoming sale of Manchester United? Stuff like that. I found it really interesting and learning from people who know a lot more about the women's game than I do. Who'd know who Lucy Bronze was, I presume. I'm sure they did. Well, she did have sunglasses on and a cap on, mate. She obviously didn't want to be recognised. She is trying to keep a low profile. She's recovering from knee surgery. Yeah, she told me. So she said to... she had something in her knee which had been taken out. And um, she obviously was keeping a low profile because it worked because I didn't recognise I mean, I do know who she is, but <laughs> I didn't have a clue who I was talking to. Uh, beyond the fact that uh, you've watched a play in front of about 90,000 fans at the camp mate, now, aren't you? Mate, when I started properly speaking to her, she said, I used to play for Leon. And I went, I went to watch a game in Leon in 2018 because I went to interview Raphael. And she went, Yeah, I played in that game. She went, You've seen me play, haven't you? And yeah, I've seen her play in camp now as well. <laughs> and I've, yeah. she, she told me all the different clubs that she's played for as well. So I've seen her play several times. I reckon there's loads of footballers who I watch who I don't know that I've watched them. I'm watching 90 games a season. I can't possibly keep tabs on absolutely everyone. No, I get it. 
I get it. Well, it's funny you should say that because when I was at Manchester City's press conference on Friday, Ellie Roebuck, who was sent off in the game, the goalkeeper for City, was struggling to get access to the training ground because she'd forgot a key fob. I mean, mean, that's the type of issue that that players don't often face these days, but perhaps, uh, perhaps that explains why she... Went into that rash challenge with Nikita Paris to get sent off. And it, the thing I'm most disappointed about is that you missed out on Skinner time. We've talked I know. about it I know. so many times on the podcast. I, I think Karl Anker actually coined that term earlier on in the campaign. And you also missed out on the message on Garcia's shirt as well because it was in Spanish. And I was listening to the commentary on my way home from work and they didn't know what it said on the on the top so you know if you were there you'd have been able to help all your colleagues as well my, my daughters were watching out for the spanish players and, and particularly the catalan player on, on a batier so yeah i missed out on all that and it's even worse mate you know that beckham goal from the halfway line at sellers park I, oh, oh, we've mate. talked about this yeah we? do you know what i mean newer listeners won't know this so. yeah. yeah well I, I left early and missed that as well we had to sell the fanzines i mean unfortunately if you do a mag you've got to sell copies about it i can't go to the printers and say we can't pay the print bill this month, but Beckham's goal was brilliant. We do have to sell him, so that that is our excuse. But no, I do feel bad about it, and I feel bad about missing that goal tonight. Just because I could come on this podcast, what was it like? It was uh, Hannah Blandell, United's number six, yeah. down the left wing, big cross towards the back post, headed down, Garcia, touch, turn, finish, runs over into the corner, takes off her shirt, she's got a message in Spanish, which... Don't leave early, it said, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lucia Garcia is Basque. Uh, Skinner's mentioned a couple of times about how she's got, like, Basque energy. Energy is one of the big words that Skinner brings up a lot about. Red devil energy and Basque energy. Uh, and I believe, going through these notes, um, that it was a tribute to a teammate from Athletic Bilbao who had just had an ACL injury. Wow. Yeah, Marta so, Unzu. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive fan. Obviously, Garcia. I think she is starting quality for United. Um, Skinner has been playing Nikita Paris ahead of her. I believe Skinner views Paris as more consistent week to week, whereas Garcia can have an eight out of ten one week and then sometimes can drop a, a five or a four. I would love Garcia to be starting for United next season uh, because she can do things like this. She she can just create something out of nothing and pop up in those really really important moments. It was a great game. Yeah, the important thing about the victory as well, of course, is that Manchester United are in the Women's Champions League for the very first time. They've finally broken up that big three of Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal with that victory in the Manchester derby. And Laurie, how hard are you going to be chasing now to find out if it's helped with any contract renewals? Because there's some huge, hugely important players for Manchester United out of contract. There's Mary Earps, who I think has an option for a further year. Alad De Gea, Onabatier that we've talked about before. But probably most high profile name in the list is Alicia Russo. Yeah, it was interesting actually watching Russo at full time and sort of how pleased and, and kind of excited uh, she was sort of mixing with the teammates. I guess she would be just beating uh, Man City uh, with the last, you know, with an injury time goal, Skinner time goal. Um, but I did think it was kind of no- notable how uh, she. Why she want to talk like a Simpson for some reason? I don't know why. <laughs> was, that, was that a Simpson? Time. Okay, right. That was a, that was a Simpson. Seymour! Um, what, where, where has this gone? Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and it, it brought to my mind, because when you look at the, the end of the season 
And, you know, Chelsea go to Reading, you know, bottom of the table, lose every week. So you're kind of thinking Chelsea should win that. So the, the title, you know, is, is, I know they're still technically in a title race, but it seems uh, too far. And so the celebration of guaranteeing Champions League qualification, I think, is, is one thing. But her, her kind of involvement with the team sort of seemed quite, quite um, I don't know, notable, I thought. But yeah, that's something that's still ongoing. Uh, Alicia Russo's contract negotiations. We might have something on that at some point soon. But yeah, it's it's things like this can only help, right? Because it's you're in the Champions League next season. Surely that's an, an appealing uh, proposition for players that are currently in the team and also transfer targets. It's going to be great to get Champions League football to the Sports Village. Hopefully, one day that pushes the needle further, and maybe we get a tram stop or some form of public transport, so so it's easier for non-car drivers to get there. This is me complaining. Just at least a cycle lane, please. You mentioned the Basques. They're actually renowned for their sporting prowess. So mm-hmm. it's something that people talk about. And that reminded me of, um, I know a United fan who's working as an English teacher in Bilbao and he bumped into Ander Herrera yesterday. I don't know whether it was at the training ground in the street. And he said, I'm a United fan, Ander. And Ander Herrera went, so am I. And they had a picture together. <laughs> so nice one to Hugo White in, in Bilbao. One thing also, like Basque people hate Lawrence Dalalio. Which was always a, a weird one. Uh, I've met, I know like three Basque people and they've all mentioned offhandly, hate Lawrence Delaya. I'm like, what? The England rugby player. Um, so apparently he's like the epitome of like English arrogance and it really rubs up like Basque people, particularly of the rugby heritage. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's the worst. And I always found that hilarious. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed at that. I'm flummoxed that Andy keeps going dark on us. I, I know listeners can't, can't, can't see this, but he just keeps, <laughs> he just, his, his Zoom just keeps going absolutely black. So I don't know what's going on there. I think maybe the, the Bournemouth Secret Service have caught with him and they're, they're, they're taking him off because he's not, he's not hyped him up just enough. Is that the name of their firm? Yeah. The, the Bournemouth Secret Service. <laughs> he's back, listeners. He's back. Well, as Andy scrambles for the light switch, I can remind you that we'll have the very latest on Alessia Russo's future on The Athletic, as Laurie said, coming up. Remember, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up now for just $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Right, let's move it on to Chelsea then, because Manchester United are playing on a Thursday again in the final week of the season. Just seems right, doesn't it, after the campaign we've had really to be turning up at Old Trafford um, on Thursday. And I was at Manchester City against Chelsea today uh, and I'm struggling to remember a team in recent times that I've seen who just had less enthusiasm than Chelsea, Laurie, to be honest. I mean... United should be getting that point and more that they need for Champions League qualification at Old Trafford. Surely, surely. I mean, Chelsea just seem. I mean, it, it kind of was chaotic and in disarray before this. I mean, that yeah. that was just so anemic, though. I mean, Lampard made more changes. I mean, Sterling was actually okay, wasn't he? He, he was pretty good. He was um, getting into decent positions. So, I mean, I guess he'll start up top um, at Old Trafford, but um, it just looks a confused team where they don't really have. They, they want this season over, don't they, Chelsea? Where they can get to uh, the close season, Mauricio Pochettino can come in, they need to trim the squad. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it looks like a really good game for United to have on a Thursday to confirm, hopefully, Champions League qualification. Um, yeah, I know Carl's probably touching wood as I'm saying this, but I just, I just, I don't think Frank Lampard's the kind of manager that will 
inspire and concoct a tactical plan that will disrupt anything that Eric Ten Hag and his players might want to do at Old Trafford where they have this incredible record. We'll, we'll get the stats up, I'm sure, on Thursday and, and Sunday against Fulham. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it looked like a team that were ripe for uh, a victory for United at Old Trafford. Yeah, I interviewed Frank Lampard after the game today and he was talking about things like um, rebuilding a team, you know, togetherness, um, work rate, um, you know, all all the like absolute bare minimum yeah. of, of even football matches played on Sunday mornings, to be <laughs> honest. It seems like Chelsea really are gonna have to go right back to the very, very basics. It's a it's a massive cliche for, for clubs that are in trouble. But the way Lampard was talking, um, it sounds like if it is Pochettino, he's got an absolutely mammoth task to turn this around and Lampard's definitely not doing it before Thursday, Carl, is he? Lampard's managerial record since the 22nd October is played 19, won one, drawn three, lost 15. Wow. And I watched the first half against City. Uh, this is a City team massively rotated, only two real starting players and they were just all over him. This Chelsea team makes very little sense and they need a number nine striker. They've got four players that all need enough, that all better if you play off a number nine. Sterling plays better for number nine. Kai Havertz plays better for number nine. You know, Jao Felix plays better for number nine if Chelsea want to keep him. Madueke will play better off a proper number nine. Uh, and that proper number nine isn't going to turn up until the summer. And even then, they still might send him back to Inter Milan. So they're such an odd team. We I like Romelu Mexi- Lukaku, though, don't we? We've established we that. We absolutely in the last week. like Romelu Lukaku right now. Him great player. and his great mate, Eden Dzeko. They're all going to do us a great favour later next month. Uh, Andy, Chelsea- did we ever, sorry, Carl, did we ever mention that listener who'd actually paid to join the Real Madrid supporters club? I don't <laughs> no, know if we actually mentioned it on the podcast, <laughs> but you said a few weeks ago as a joke that you were going to start up a, a Real Madrid supporters club in Manchester and it was £2 to enter. And didn't someone actually send you two quid to join? Yeah, he did. Rowan Prabhu, if I'm not mistaken, he sent me two quid. So yeah, <laughs> I used it to buy a programme at the women's game tonight. Cheers for that, mate. I was going to say, did you not refund him after the, I the sort of capitulated him. at the Etihad? I can't take money under false pretenses. But talking on Chelsea, I, I asked um, Casemiro about them and, and he said... We know Chelsea aren't doing well, but they're a huge club that won the Champions League just a few years ago. It's going to be a very difficult game. We are going to play in our stadium with our own fans. Now we know we're really close to our objective, which is to to qualify. So I think that's that that that's fair comment. Um, it would be very unlucky if Chelsea somehow clicked, but they've had a, they've had an absolutely wretched season, and it makes me very wary. When it comes to Manchester United's own takeover, do not do what Chelsea did. You know, just learn from those mistakes. And we don't know what's going to happen with regards to the takeover, but Chelsea just seem to be completely punch drunk on signing player after player, week after week. And it, it just didn't work out. And it wasn't working out right from the start. I will say, and this, I, I'm just making my work for myself. For the last two or three seasons, Chelsea have always had so many players there's often been a pretty good player Chelsea are willing to sell via the transfer market. Southampton did this but when they picked up Liverpool. Uh, they also got Brozier out on loan. So Chelsea have a lot of good players and even though they haven't played very well, they'll be there or thereabouts of willing to sell. 
I'm sure one day Laura and I are going to get called into the editorial room, mate. Carl, you know, one of us has to write a fun story about which Chelsea players should United buy. But I, there's, there's, de- I think there's definitely room there to have a peek at Chelsea, not at, not just at the senior team level, but also they've got some cracking academy players as well. And it's not just who Chelsea will sell, it's players who are deeply unhappy at Chelsea because they're not getting to play football. Mm-hmm. Do they force their way out? Because they might be on big fat contracts and we spoke about how Chelsea structured their contracts before, but some of them just said, I've had enough. I know for a fact that there's, there's players there who, who are deeply unhappy and it, it doesn't take Einstein to work out why. I was actually having the conversation that Carl's just mentioned with um, some people from United um, at Old Trafford for the Wolves game, and we we're kind of just, you know, having throwing ideas out in terms of what uh, people would go for. Um, and I mean, one person did say Romelu Lukaku back at United. <laughs> uh, it wasn't wasn't me. Um, I don't know. There's there's a couple of younger players that I, I do like the look of. I mean, I don't know. Is is Conor Gallagher good enough for United, or could he? I don't know. Could he? Carl shaking his head. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, doing a James Madison thing again. Blimey. Doing James <laughs> Madison. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking by James Madison being a good addition. You you can have James Madison. All right, Conor Gallagher is a very good example of when an academy at a football club figures out how to make a certain type of player. So Chelsea very clearly have just figured out how to make energetic box-to-box players. So Mason Mount was the first version, Conor Gallagher is the second version, and they're just going to keep making players like Conor Gallagher between now and whoever leaves that Chelsea academy who's in charge of that. And I've, That's why I think Conor Gallagher is probably going to be up for sale for Chelsea. And if you're a team like, say, Palace, go for yeah, it. Yeah, he's if probably- you're not Manchester United... Yeah, yeah. If you don't just like you've got enough, you've got enough box to box players that actually need a number six behind them. Yeah, you need a number, another number six, right? I've, well, I've actually the player that I've liked the most is Nani Madueke, who, who I mean, he he went from Spurs to PSV as a kid. United actually had a look at him um, back at that point, but he wanted to get first team football uh, at a very early age, and then you know Chelsea have then you know put money in to, to get him at this point, and he was actually a great Potter signing. Really, he, he was one of the ones that he'd been. Um, keeping a close eye on when he was at Brighton, so I mean, I don't know if, he, if he's only just gone to Chelsea, but I, I don't know. I, I quite liked the the way he carries the ball and, and goes for goal. It seems quite direct, but again, I mean, is his best position on the right wing, um, which you know United should have players uh, well stocked in. So I, I don't know because there is. I mean, if Chelsea had a number nine, you'd, you'd say the number nine, but um, yeah, Lukaku and. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I suppose, aren't the, the two that you'd want to bring in. There was one thing about today at the Etihad Stadium which did bring back very happy memories of United yesteryear, and that's not United lifting the Premier League trophy, but that was actually the guard of honour before the game um, where the Chelsea players, including Raheem Sterling, who I imagine it wasn't a particularly pleasant experience for, clapped um, Calvin Phillips onto the pitch making his full Premier League debut for Manchester City <laughs> and Sergio Gomez making his full Premier League debut for Manchester City uh, and Cole Palmer and Stefan Ortega, uh, not quite the sort of key components of City's title win. But Andy, I know you'll remember this well. 2007, yes. Stamford Bridge, yes. John Terry, <laughs> Michael Essien. There you go. Um, who else is in that starting lineup as well? Claude McAuley applauded onto that pitch the champions, Manchester United, with a starting 11 that included Kieran Lee, Chris Eagles, and Dong Fanzu. <laughs> I remember it. I remember Dong running out there in one of his few Manchester United appearances. Maybe his only start, possibly. Yeah, possibly. In the Premier League. Being treated like a champion. 
by one of the best teams in the world because Chelsea were at that time. If a team finishes as champions before the end of the season, then these things happen. And when I saw the Manchester City team today, um, when I saw the Barcelona team yesterday, it's just a chance for for, for players to to be rested. I'd be interested to know um, where Eric Ten Hag is sort of fitting in the FA Cup final into all this. I think he's he, he goes with his strongest squad all the time. I think it's making a difference that he's got a week now um, between matches, at least for the last couple of weeks. And then this is the exception with the Chelsea game this week. You know How he just keeps everyone ticking over. And tactically, I'd be absolutely fascinated to know what his plans are for, for the cup final. But I'm sure we'll discuss that in, in weeks to come. Yeah, we definitely will. Do you remember the Robin Van Persie one, Larry, as well at Old Trafford when Arsenal were there? That was another good one. You've, you've lost. I've, I remember Dong Fang Zhu like stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. What what year are we talking here? When 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 Van Persie was playing for United. You don't you don't remember this? Yeah. This was this was on the Emirates. So Robin Van Persie. Uh, Emirates. Emirates. Did I say Old Trafford? Sorry, said, my yeah. bad. He was wearing the white of Manchester United. In the I white. It well. In the white, and he comes out. He's rolled. The, he's definitely rolled these sleeves up as well. Being a Manchester United fan who was born in London, I've spent many a school day and most of my school like, arguing with Arsenal fans more than I've ever had to argue with City fans. So that image of Robin Van Persie's Guard of Honour. Didn't we lose that day? Doesn't matter. Guard of Honour. I don't remember that. Doesn't matter. Guard of Honour. Definitive. Ten years since Manchester United won the league now, boys. Long, long time. Remember when Van Persie signed for United? There's a United fan who Ian and I both know called Anthony Shaw. He said, there's not a chance we will sign Robin Van Persie. And if we do, I will drink my own urine. <laughs> Is that the same as urine? <laughs> yes, it's the same as urine. I don't think he ever did it, but he was convinced that it was Why just did you pronounce that like him. he was like some sort of obscure Paraguayan striker or something? <laughs> Very good. United drew that game, by the way. Van Persie scored a pen. Did he? It's Theo Walcott yeah, got the opener for Arsenal after two minutes. Oh, for a Van Persie now in this Manchester United team. Absolutely, by that the would way. Be, that would be the jigsaw piece. That's what the situation is with Harry Kane, really. It's like, do you, yeah. do you, do you, do you just fit him into this team and, and know that you're going to get you know, a certain length of time out of him? But he's going to cost a hell of a lot more money than Van Persie did back then, you know, when Fergie could call up Wenger and, and sort of almost use his... I don't know, what, what was it? It was kind of like the... the, the the, the weird goodness of Arsene Wenger's heart to go, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll sell you this guy that's going to win you the, the league. Mental. <laughs> yeah, it is. An absolutely brilliant piece of business that was, not it? it was an absolute snip at about 20 million as well, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was out of contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 million. Amazing. Like and, yeah, and then ride off into the sunset in retirement with one last Premier League medal in your back pocket from Sir Alex Ferguson. Great work. Right, I said at the top that we were going to get to your emails, but unfortunately we've run out of time really, on Talk of the Devil. So I think we'll save up the questions that we're going to do uh, and get them into a couple of the final um, podcasts of the season because the questions that, that can last, one's on captaincy, another one's on transfer targets for this summer coming. I'm just going to remind you quickly about our live show dates. We launched them last week. If you've not seen, we're at New Century in Manchester on Monday the 4th of September. Then we're at London's Leicester Square Theatre the following night on Tuesday the 5th of September. We'd absolutely love to see you there. We've got some fun stuff planned. If you want to book tickets or you want more information, head to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils live. But for the minute, Carl, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Laurie, thank you for being with us. Lovely. And Andy Mitten, the lights have gone out on him some time ago. They've not come back on. I can't see you, but 
Believe you me when I say this, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so glad that you're now a fan of Bournemouth. Cheers, boys. <laughs> that was very delayed. I think he's still in Bournemouth. The internet connection's not great down there. Anyway, right. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you after Chelsea. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>